installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. I am joined by the man you see next to me, Jared Smola at Smola DS. The DS is for Draft Sharks, and he is here to join me. We will study the NFC North this time, and we will continue our journey to get better. Um, Something I've been working on, Jared, I want to kind of highlight a little bit. Uh, that we will be, um, I don't know where I'm going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be pay yet, but I am doing a very deep dive into the FFPC win rates. Mm -hmm. So basically I've taken the ADP, put it in like a draft board, and then I'm putting in the win rate next to where a guy was drafted. So it's going to mean that we can study a number of different ways. And I've always been someone who believes very, very keenly in win rates. And it's interesting because I've had people say win rates aren't accurate. And my answer to that is no, they're not everything, but they certainly lead you in a direction. So when you look at, let's say you look at someone in the third round's win rate, You know, you can't just go by his win rate, but you look at the win rate, you look at the other people around them, what their win rates were, and then you start telling a narrative to yourself of, well, why did this person have this win rate? And I think if it's 50 to 60% of the puzzle, and then you have to fill in the other 40%, would you agree? Yeah, win rates aren't perfect, but they're a lot better than looking at where a guy finished at his position in fantasy points. They're a lot better than looking at even where a guy finished in, in, in points per game. Cause ultimately, you know, we're trying to win these leagues. Now, my, my question for you, are you looking at those? I'm saying it. I'm, I should. All right. Let me clarify. Cause I could see where you were going with that. <laughs> Not studying win rates. I'm studying advance rates in the FFPC best ball tournament that I did 131 teams for now. I'm only, well, I, obviously I'm looking at the overall win rate. But what I'm doing is I am comparing it to also, I'm making another column. I drafted myself about half those teams. So I have like 60 drafts. So I'm going player by player, not for every player, but players in the first couple rounds and players that I had pretty heavy exposure on. And I'm putting next to their overall win rate, my win rate. So I think that will tell it, and it has so far. Um, It has shown another level of detail. And I feel like one of my big things I always say is that exposure is very important. And I think that I am proving that keeping your exposure low is the right way to go. And again, I don't want to give away too much of it now, Mm -hmm. but I am studying advance rate for my 60 or so teams player by player, as well as overall. We've got a couple people joining in in the comments, which we appreciate. The first is our new friend, Jose Pena. How is FFPC scoring different from BB10s for someone who has never played FFPC best ball? That's a fabulous question. So BB10s are full PPR. Uh, You know, you're talking about the old MFL 10s. So there's, well, there's two main differences. Uh, It is tight end premium. So tight ends get 1.5 point 
which you, uh, means that you're going to see tight ends go a lot earlier. And the key thing that most people miss out on with the FFPC, it's also different than what you find on underdog, is there are two flex spots instead of one, and you only have to start two wide receivers. So it really, as we go along, we are going to be studying a lot on roster construction on that website and how it's different from other sites and how a lot of people tend to play it very similarly because there used to be B10s. And we had one other guy jump on, Kyle's Money. Hi, Todd and Jarrett. I'll have to watch the replay just saying hi. And he has Eric Cartman nude um, as an avi. I used to have a really good Eric Cartman, but I haven't practiced it in quite some time. So I don't know how good it is anymore. But I just watched my really awesome COVID episodes. I haven't played South Park in a long time. And uh, I miss my daughter, Menorah. All right. So B plus, uh, B plus, Todd. B plus. Well, I, I, you know, it's like anything else. You really have to hear it. Right. I, I've I've heard professional co- comics who do voices, and they say, "Oh yeah, I I've got a li- right before I go out on stage, I'm sitting there listening to the channel. Um, channel your Cartman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to work too hard. Um, <laughs> we have one yeah, more. Question. I, I was, was going to say, really, with the FFPC, it ju- it just allows greater flexibility. There's more paths you can take to fill that starting lineup. So I think it you should be less locked into positional strategy is strategies in FFPC just because you know you can start two running backs and four wideouts you can start two of each and three tight ends which is valuable with the tight end premium so I just think you need in FFPC's FFPC drafts you can just be more flexible especially early on because you of those can, you can take spots. the value as it comes along and you exactly. can adapt more later um, I just got that Kyle's money and it's Cartman throwing money up in the air so he's, I guess he's talking about Kyle Braslovsky's money, which is very good. As far as answering, that's what I'm going to be going over in that lesson. It probably will be a pay lesson because I am doing a lot of research on that. I'm in talk with one or two sites and I might go off on my own. So um, I don't know yet, but I will announce it here. And um, I really... Um, plan to do a lot of studying. I don't think people study win rates enough. And I think it really has been the thing that helps me the most. For example, let's say you're looking you know, at a guy like Debo Samuel. Well, when you look at what I've come up with, you're, you're going to see that you don't need, on those guys that you uh, draft late, One, I'll, I'll, I'll give one little hint of what I'm finding so far. And I would love to have some other people's results to kind of test it. But basically, it's very hard. If you have a guy early, it's very hard to get a win rate higher than what that player gets, right? But if you get later players that hit. So as his point about risk, I I didn't have anyone more than 23% in FFPC this year. And it was the third year out of five years that I did it that way. And all three of those years were winning years for me. And I lost the other two years where I was going through a divorce and I, I, I lost my discipline on my exposure. So I agree with that point, Kyle. You got you to gotta watch your exposures. Would you agree, Jared? 
That's why I think we're a good team, and I like chatting with you, is because I'm better at the the projections and the individual player takes and nailing that stuff. And I, you know, I did this past season. You know, Co- Cooper Cup, Joe Mixon, and Leonard Fournette were like three of my ten highest owned players. But I still think I should have had a better season than I did, and that, that was probably at least partly because of my roster construction. So that's why you know I like chatting with you because I think that that's what you're best at. You know, I think I think we we've been talking. You didn't have the best season as far as nailing individual player takes, but you had a good season and it must have been because of your roster construction. Well it's interesting and this is why we study. I was doing it today and I was getting I you know I went through all the, the players who had big winning percentages. Then I went through all the guys who were right around even and then what I noticed, you know, because I put it off to my style as to why I won this year, despite only having 3% Cooper cup and only like, you know, right around average on Jonathan Taylor, who had the two best win rates uh, on the season. But as I was going through the fades, the mid to late round guys, like I'm just going to, we're not sharing quite yet. So I'll just go through it real quick. Avoiding the busts is probably more important than hitting on the, the big winners in best ball, right? Cause you can't, you can't afford to be taking zeros or, you know, you're just unstable well, weeks. It, in there's a lot to it, but let's just go through these guys, right? I only had out of 60, I only had four Juju Smith uh, Schuster's eight Terrace Marshall's four Evan Ingram's one what? Tevin Coleman, three Ryan Fitzpatrick, five Trey Sermon's, three DJ Metcalfs out of 60, only one Tyrell Williams, one Sammy Watkins, only five Latavius Murrays, seven Gus Edwards. So that's a lot. Uh, Trout, yeah. a couple more. What was the win rate on someone like Juju? Do you, do you have that yet? I do. Juju, be believe up. it or not, was 12%. Now, oh, wow. 80, um, you know, again, 8.5 times 2, 17% is break even. Mm-hmm. So 12 is bad. That, um, I, that's higher than I would have guessed, though. Yeah. Uh, well, that's another thing that's going to be really interesting when I start doing these pods on this, because there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But um, other than Cup, I had a really, really good year with my fades. And I use a, a floor ceiling kind of way I look at who to have ownership on. So when you look at Debo Samuel, I feel I felt like Debo had a great floor in the ninth round. People were too high on Ayuk and not high enough on Debo because he had an injury. James Conner was another one that I had a lot of who I felt would be involved, would be the goal line back. You know, I didn't think he would kill me, but I thought he had upside, right? Because we didn't know what Chase Edmonds was and you know, when whenever there's two running backs that are sixth and ninth or tenth round, the guy who's behind AJ Dillon was another one. I faded off of him toward the end, but early on uh, in best ball, I was into AJ Dillon because I thought he would take over the Jamal Williams role. Jamal Williams was going in the right around where AJ Dillon was, and I thought that. A.J. Dillon had a better team and had more talent than Jamal Williams. So those are the kind of I know we're not even getting into our subject of the day, but, you know, give me a guy who has a good floor and talent that if opportunity, you know, you're not if you if you had talent. 
floor and opportunity, he wouldn't be in the ninth round. Right. Right. You, you know, you're always going to have one question. What I try and fill in for most of my heavier ownership players is give me a guy whose role I feel will give him a floor and has the talent if yeah. opportunity changes. If we're And that's why I was down on myself for not having hardly any Lenny Fournette because he fit my criteria. And that's why I'm so on my anti-bias kick because mm-hmm. he had everything that, that James Conner had except that Gio Bernard was also part of the equation. Yeah. My, my thing with Fournette and, you know, again, he was, I think he was my highest owned running back this season. My thing with Fournette was he was the only guy in that Bucks backfield that had a chance to lead in carries and targets. You know, we knew Ronald Jones was not going to lead in targets. We knew Gio Bernard was not going to lead in carries, but Fournette, you know, we've, we've, we've seen him be a workhorse ball carrier. We've seen him, you know, have, high volume in the passing game. He had a few, uh, a couple, you know, big catch seasons in Jacksonville. Um, and, and then, you know, then on top of that, just being a, a running back in that Bucks offense, which, you know, we all thought was going to be a top five offense. So, um, and I just thought the price was right on him, but you know, going back to your Debo Samuel and James Conner hits, um, you know, those guys just stick out as, you know, like unsexy names this past summer. Like, you know, every, like you said, everyone was on Brandon Ayuk. So Debo kind of got, got kind of forgotten about, and then James Conner, just like an unsexy pick, like people just kind of got sick of him under underwhelming in Pittsburgh. So I think, you know, both those guys just turned into values because they just weren't exciting picks. But again, like you said, if you look at the opportunity, you look at the talent, we knew, we knew Debo had it. I think there was question with James Conner, what he had left in the tank. Um, but the opportunity was certainly there. And, you know, that, that made those guys pretty easy picks at ADP. Yeah. Well, I, I just feel like Arizona with um, the, the, what do you call that? Air raid. Air raid historically is very good for running backs, right? You think of it as a passing um, offense, but uh, historically it's been very good for the running backs. So, yeah, I mean, James Conner, my glitch early with James Conner was exactly what you said. But then I I just kept saying, well, but that offense, right? Mm -hmm. That offense. So that's the the fourth thing, right? We want to roster guys on good offenses, because they're much more likely to give us consistent points. And then the other thing I plan on studying if I do a pay content is spike weeks. I definitely want to find something that I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Spike weeks are huge in best ball. I've done studies on it in the past. Um, You know, it is much better to have a guy who scores 30 points one week and 10 points the next than it is to get a guy who scores 20 points every week. How you score your points and how you fit players who tend to have spike weeks. Is it because roster construction is more than two, five, eight, three, or two, you know, or three, you know, people get so caught up in the numbers, but it's how you build each one of those position groups is what I call advanced roster construction that's really the difference between um, that's how you supercharge your teams, you know, by, yeah, by yeah. giving yourself someone who has a spike yeah. week potential. Like I always like mixing a spike week quarterback with a guy like Kirk cousins, mm-hmm. you know, cousins isn't exciting, but every year he has a good win rate when he's been in Minnesota and he goes late because he's not sexy back to your other thing. If you spend enough time on Twitter, 
you can just get a feel for who people are too excited about and who people are not excited enough about. And a lot of times it's just because, like you said, they're not sexy. Yeah, the Spike Week thing is a great point. What I would like to, and maybe I'll look into this this offseason, is how how predictable are Spike Weeks? And not not on a week-to-week basis, but like like looking forward to 2022 – how well can we predict who those spike week players are going to be? Like if a guy was a spike week guy in 2021, does that mean he's you know going to give us those spike weeks in 2022? I'm not, I'm not sure how, how predictable that is. That, you know, maybe that's something I'll, it, go, I'll it goes by position. First of all, I have studied it some, it yeah. goes by position. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to win rate. It doesn't get you all the way there for most of his career. Ben Roethlisberger was a spike week quarterback. He would give you, Three or four 30-point weeks a season, right? That doesn't guarantee he's going to do it this year. Sure. But, you know, if you believe in a quarterback, it's, again, you're trying to fix a puzzle together. And knowing whether someone is more of a spike week guy and someone is more consistent, if you build that team that way over time, you know, let's say you're wrong that year and, and the guy doesn't have a big spike week. Well, then you don't lose anything as long as you're still right on the player. You just sure. don't get that little bit of extra. Yep. Um, I think at wide receiver is where spike week is the most predictable. A guy like Marquez Valdez Scantling, sure. um, you know, I think at wide receiver, those home run threats are more predictable. I think at running back, a lot of it depends on <laughs> touchdowns, which are less yeah. Uh, predictable. Yeah, well, I, I think yeah, that's a good point. I think wide receiver spike weeks are most tied to how the player is used. If you have a you know high average depth of target guy, those are I'm almost by definition going to be more volatile because we know those targets are more volatile. Exactly. And then you know so much of it. One of the other interesting things I'm finding is as you get later in drafts, I'll just this is you, you see the work that I'm working on. Yep. You look over here and you see. I won with 50% with Juju. Um, (laughs) I won my one Sammy Watkins advanced. I don't want to go into it too much, but you definitely, the later you go, the more flexibility you have to be okay, even if you miss on a guy. Anyway, all right, it's time. (laughs) We need to get to our subject, the one that we said we were going to do. We're going to study the NFC North, but I think that discussion was really great. And I, whether I do, if I don't do it for pay, I definitely think you and I studying some of that stuff will be beneficial to both of us. I'd love to. And if, if we don't, I'll have to, I'll have to pay to, to read it. <laughs> well, I will definitely give you a, a <laughs> discount as a contributor. All right. So let's go to the team, the Packers who choked, I mean, lost. You see, you know, this is a team that it's really going to be hard. You know, I, I think we talked about this right now. Right now, I'm not, I'm doing one draft because a bunch of Sharks got together. I'm really resisting starting to draft because once you start to draft, you don't want to study as much. This is a team right now that has way more questions. And we're going to go over some of the ADPs. But Aaron Rodgers, another amazing season. He finished quarterback eight, which is about where he was getting drafted, I think. Yeah. Last summer, right? So I mean yeah. 
Yeah, um, and right now he's going seventh. So as the seventh quarterback off the board, I got to admit that I am less than interested in him at that ADP. Ahead of Dak, ahead of Matthew Stafford. Now, if he goes to Denver, I think everyone thinks that it's going to (laughs) be this amazing thing, but he's going to be 39 years old. Um, It could be a Peyton Manning situation, but I I don't – I mean, A, I'm not drafting a lot right now, but if I was, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would be taking Rodgers too much. I wouldn't avoid him, Um, but I probably would try and match him even though we don't know that him and Devontae will be together. But right. right now, if if I had Devontae or if I took one of the Broncos ahead of him, I, I think I would be more inclined to take Rodgers. Yeah, it's too early for me. Right now. I mean, I think his ADP is more likely to to get cheaper than more expensive from quarterbacks. Like if he if he goes back to Green Bay and Adams is back in Green Bay. Like, I'm not even sure I'd take him at quarterback seven. Again, he finished quarterback eight this past year. Like you said, he's 39 years old now. So, I mean, at some point you have to worry about a decline. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the Packers are just so tough to evaluate right now because that team could look very similar in 2022 as it is this past year, or it could look completely different because you have the Rodgers situation. I think Devontae Adams probably just ends up wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. Even if it's Denver, you know, I've heard whispers that you know Jerry Judy could be involved in any Aaron Rodgers trades. Then they'd have a you know a spot to sign Devonta Adams. I, I just think they're going to end up together. So that makes me feel better about drafting Devonta Adams right now. But um, you know, even on top of those two guys, you have Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and Robert Tunyon are all free agents. So there, there's just a lot of potential turnover in Green Bay this offseason. Yeah, they might actually have to draft a, a wide receiver now that. Rodgers is gone. But let, <laughs> let, let's go over to the running back situation. Yeah. So I drafted Aaron Jones around 3-3 three, three or 3-4 three, in that one draft that I was telling you about. 3-4. Mm-hmm. And I got some crap from um, Nelson Souza, who obviously is when, you know, someone – this is one where, you know, the bias can go the other way, where you respect the guy so much you follow what he wants. And that was something that was really hard for me the first couple years that I was hanging out with those guys. I did a lot better this year because I resisted a lot of their ideas. And I won't bore you with the reasons why. What's your thoughts on his eight? You know, his ADP is a little bit after that. So you you took Jones in the third and it looked like A.J. Dillon went in the sixth. I think I saw that on the... Uh, right now he is running back 16. So I took him a little early and, and mm-hmm. I don't like looking at ADP when I do these early drafts because I want to go by my gut with my first draft before yep. I have any biases. Um, and so I did a little research and I looked at, well, Aaron Jones only had a seven, 171 carries, right? Yep. He missed some time though. Exactly. Even though he played 15 games, he played a few games where he wasn't 100 percent. Yeah. So it really was more like 13 games. And then if you look at the previous two seasons, when we were all happy to take him at the end of the first round, Mm -hmm. he had 201 carries in 14 games. So definitely less than than that year because of A.J. Dillon. He had 47 targets of receptions, 
63 targets, and Jamal Williams had 119 carries. You look at the previous season again, and you get 236 carries in a full 16 games, 107 for Jamal, uh, but 49 receptions on 68 targets. So, But we all knew coming in that Aaron Jones was going to probably get less carries Mm -hmm. and be more involved in the passing game. And, you know, he was a little more involved because his receiving numbers are about even, even though his rushes are down. And as you say, he did miss some time. Um, yeah, if you look I, at the, you know, if you look at the car- the carries per game were down eleven point four, but he actually set a career high in catches per game at three point five. Yeah, so I, I I feel like you know the biggest problem is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be leaving, uh, but yep. you know if it's Jordan Love, I think they're going to have to rely on the running backs more. Yeah. So maybe I took him a little early, but again. I think the talent is there for him to pay off despite AJ Dillon being there. Yeah. I think, I think for now he belongs in the third and, you know, maybe it's the back half of the third. So maybe you took him, you know, a few picks too early, but I think that's about right. If you look at, so Jones and Dillon played 16 games together this past season, Jones had 183 carries in those 16 games. AJ Dillon had 169. So, you know, you're talking like a 55-45 split. But then Aaron Jones had 75 targets to A.J. Dillon's 30. That That's that's where Jones separates from Dillon. Jones is just awesome in the passing game. And, and like you were talking about there, he's never been a big volume runner. You know, you, you we've been buying Jones based on the touchdown upside. And the, the touchdowns were way down this past season, just six total touchdowns. Or sorry, or four, just four rushing touchdowns for Aaron Jones. He did have the six receiving but, you know, and, that's where Dil- and that's where dylan really is a much more of a threat than at the goal Jamal williams yep. at the goal line yeah yeah and, and i i think they i think jones and dylan could finish pretty close in carries this coming season but I, again i just think jones is so much better in the passing game that you know he's still going to give you those 40 to 50 catches um and if, if you're getting you know even 180 carries and 40 catches out of a guy and you know, i think that that third round is about right for that yeah, and Dylan in the sixth round, that's a little rich for me. Yeah, I, I just, I, again, I don't think he's going to catch enough passes to pay that off without a Jones injury. Now, I, mean, he, I mean, we exactly. saw it this year. He's a, I mean, we saw it this year. He's a top 10 running back if Jones misses time. And basically, what, you know, back to my original point, I, I want a guy who has a floor at his ADP. Mm-hmm. And now with Dylan in the sixth round, We've talked about the um, running back dead zone. He's right in the smack yeah. in the middle of it. Well, and, and and we talked about Tony Pollard and Kareem Hunt on last week's show. And to me, Dylan is in that same tier with those guys. And those guys went, what, two or three rounds later? Yeah, so we talked about the free agents. But let's take a look at them real quick anyway. And let's look at the yeah, salary pretty much, cap. Pretty much all the pass catchers are free agents. Yeah, and, and and a lot of them are cheap enough that they'll probably come back. I have no interest in Robert Tunyon. Right. I don't coming care. Off, I mean, he's coming off the ACL. I'd, I'd assume he's going pretty late, but, I mean, there's probably other guys I'd no, rather take shots running on. back 20, yeah, 171. Oh, yeah. So he is going late. He had that one year. That, that was just totally fueled by touchdowns. I mean, he scored at yeah. an, an outrageous rate. Wow, they um, really are all gone. Yeah. 
And, and there, there was a, I, I read a story, I think it was last week that Rogers wants to bring Devonta Adams with him wherever he goes. And he also wants to bring Marquez Valdez Scantling with him wherever he goes, which is funny because Rogers hated MVS as of like two years ago. You could just see. And it Lazard the field, like, was his, the guy that he one day said, why don't we give Lazard a chance? And Lazard, that right. was the first time Lazard scored a touchdown. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Bears. Brand new coaching staff here, so. Yeah, and we don't know yet who the offensive coordinator is. No, they, if you they, they hired uh, they hired Luke Getze, who was the Packers quarterback coach for the past three seasons. Okay, he's never been an OC at the NFL level. He has three seasons of play calling experience in college, but I mean, there's he he's kind of an unknown. We don't we don't know much about him. But what we have found is people who are in that Lafleur system, that yep. tree. I remember uh, Dwayne McFarland talking about it with the Jets this year. It's a mm-hmm. good system. Yep. Um, I mean, I took Justin Fields in the 10th round, and I was really surprised he was there. Cole Komet went one pick ahead of me, and I was kind of hoping to get Komet coming back the other uh, the wet other way on this draft. But over here, let's, it'd be interesting to see. He's quarterback 15 right now. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. for all the reasons that people were drafting him, I mean, he was going right around here, 10, 11, 12th round last year. Yep, yep. To be able to, you know, I have to believe that, you know, he's a guy who's going to end up uh, moving up. But now all yeah. I hear is people all excited to draft Trey Lance because they think Jimmy <laughs> is going to be gone. And again, people and biases, right? Mm-hmm. What's the bias on Fields? He was awful this year. Well, he was but until he wasn't. His his last his last four healthy games, he was a top ten fantasy quarterback in all four of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's not it's not ideal that he has to learn a new system again this offseason. But I mean, I it, I think there's a good chance it's a coaching upgrade from what they had there this past season. Um, you know, if we we can get into the free agents, but they're probably going to lose Allen Robinson. So it's you know Mooney and Komet, and then not much else. So we'll, you know, I'm sure they're going to add something at wide receiver. He had a 12% win percentage last advanced percentage last year, and he didn't and he, start until, you know, how many games did he actually play? He played like 12 or so, maybe 14. But I mean, again, he, he did, he really yeah, was but not. How useful. many, how many did he play? Well, again, so again, he, he finishes a top 12, a top 10 quarterback in each of his last four games. I think those were his only four top 10 finishes. He started of the 10 he games. Was, and, and he was pretty useless for, you know, the first six of those. So, he played 10 of 17 games as a starter and he really was awful for a while. And he still had a 12. And this is where I use win percentages. All right. Well, I mean, I need six, six and, and his ADP is, wasn't much different than what we've got here. Right. So I am definitely on board with Justin Fields right now. A guy I'm less on uh, is David Montgomery because of Khalil Herbert. And I will be looking to draft a lot of Khalil Herbert if the ADP is right. So right now you're seeing Monty as running back 15 going in the early third round, which is earlier than he's ever gone. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, I mean, Herbert was awesome when he got a chance. But as soon as Montgomery got healthy again, he took 
back over as the workhorse and Herbert was, you know, playing at only a handful of snaps per game. So we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see what we hear out of Chicago. this offseason if that's going to change, but they seem to like Montgomery. It's a new coaching staff. We'll see what that means. But, um, well, that's my know. point. My yep. point is that what, what's our bias? Our bias is once Montgomery was back, Herbert didn't play, but we also know that we all thought that was stupid. <laughs> right and that Nagy was stupid for doing it yeah I don't so, know. I'm not I'm not I'm not as big a Montgomery hater as a lot of people out there I, I think he's a good back and again I, I think not, Herbert it's looks, not about that it, it's about that it's about that Herbert is a, a weapon and it made no sense to not give him some carries so Agreed. my guess would be at running back 51 he's gonna mm-hmm. get enough He'll, you know, what what's the percentage of coaches that use a workhorse running back to a uh, kind of two thirds, one third? Oh yeah, I mean, there's like four or five like workhorse running backs Correct. left right now. So yeah. the odds are greatly in the favor of Herbert being a one third back, right? He's got the talent. He showed the talent, but we're uncertain about the opportunity. Yep. And he's got a floor at his ADP. Yep. The other guy we can't forget about is Tree Cohen, who didn't play at all. I think I believe he's still signed there, right for for twenty twenty two. Well, let's look at that because I mean, because you, know, you know that if you get him in the mix, then it, you're talking about a three back committee. Which but is no fun. you know, one thing I don't I don't worry as much about is explosive players coming off a couple years of injury, because you know Tariq Cohen needs to be explosive, and, and he obviously had issues with that injury because you know he. He should have been back, you know, by October at the latest. So I don't, I don't know what happened exactly, but yeah, I am less concerned about him. He is on the roster. They can get out with only three point five million in dead cap. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, I, he's going to need to be healthy. Yep. Um, let's look at their free agents. Allen Robinson, they're losing. Yeah, so gonna everyone gone. is going to be real, and Marquise Goodwin, who played the three, and Grant, who played the four. The big thing is, are they going to be again stupid enough to bring just Jimmy Graham back? <laughs> I think Cole Komet. I, I look at teams as, you know, the old is the arrow pointing up, is the arrow pointing flat, or is the arrow pointing down? And this is a team where I think the arrow was pointing up because the coach really did hold back this offense. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm a big Fields believer, and I, I liked him coming out. And again, I, I I saw enough over his last few starts to make me think that you know he's going to take a pretty pretty nice leap in his second season. Now let's see where Mooney is right now because people really like Mooney. He finished 34th among wideouts in PPR points per game last year, and he, and he's going as wide receiver 33. Okay, he, he was he was eleventh among wide receivers in targets last season. Um, and again, if they're losing Allen Robinson, we'll see what they bring in. But yeah, I I kind of like Mooney at that price tag right now. I do too. And the other thing I I've, I've noticed is that once a quarterback and a wide receiver get on the same page, they tend to stay on it. Yeah. You know, if a if a quarterback likes throwing to a guy. It's really rare for him to all of a sudden not get off there. So back to my floor ceiling combo. I think Mooney mm-hmm. definitely fits that mold of a guy I wouldn't mind building some ownership on. The only downside is he's around a few players 
Marquise Brown, Brandon Ayuk, Odell Beckham, Robert Woods, Chase Claypool, and even mm-hmm. Jerry Judy, he's right in a range where I like a bunch of the guys there. So just like my whole thing with win rates, with exposure, a, a lot of it depends on not just how much I like you, but how much I like the guys around you. So I could yep. also see myself being barely over weight on him sure. not because i don't like him but just because there's a lot of options that i like in this range that to me tends to kind of be a sweet spot for wide receivers in general that's kind of an area of the draft where i tend to be loading up on wide out so yeah, it looks like that'll be the case again this year if these adps hold yeah yeah and now let's look at dylan is he right in that area he's probably going ahead of mooney right we should know too that underdog is is half ppr someone like dylan does have some more value on underdog than ffpc yep but he's going right right above them. So in a uh, FFPC, he probably will end up going right in that range. Yeah. Right in the same range. Uh, last guy we want to look at is Cole Komet. Didn't score a touchdown all season. He was top 12 among wide receivers in targets, catches, and yards, but did not score a touchdown all season. 17th tight end. He's a guy I've been lower, or at least this past year I was lower than consensus on. But at tight end 17, I I like him there. And I might have him a spot or two higher, but I'll definitely be willing to take some Cole Komet there because, you know, he should be locked in as their lead guy. And again, he, he just didn't score a touchdown last year. If he scores four touchdowns, you know, he finishes as a top as a top 10 tight end. And then there's a real break, right? So you look ahead of him, there's Fryermuth, there's Gesicki, there's Fant, there's Ertz. I would definitely take him over Higby. I would definitely probably take him over Hunter Henry, although it's close. Yeah. And then you got Logan Thomas coming off an injury, Irv Smith mm-hmm. coming off an injury, CJ Uzoma, who uh, Robert Tunyon. So I mean, this is a this is what you call he is really the last tight end in a tier. Yeah, he should definitely not be going any lo- lower than that. And uh, yeah, like you said, I think you can argue him, you know, two or three spots higher. All right, that'll do it for the Bears, I think. Yep. The Vikings. So a lot of things still to be determined here. What are your overall thoughts on the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, we don't know who's going to be coaching this team right now. They got their GM, but um, Mike Zimmer fired Clint Kubiak. I'm assuming he's not going to be back. Brand new coaching staff, and then the other big question I think is is Kirk Cousins. Who, you know, if you if you pull up his contract, he he can't be cut. It's just a massive charge if they cut him. But um, you know, he, he's a potential trade candidate. Um, so that, yeah, that that'd be a big you, domino, obviously. If you trade him, yep. that's a forty five million dollar dead cap hit. So you don't gain anything by trading him, and you've got a lot of talented pieces around him. So. I didn't realize that, and that's why we studied, because I'd heard on Twitter, you're not going to trade Cousins. Why do everyone keep talking about it? And everyone keeps talking about trading him. The, the one thing that I am very – all right, so this is, the, this is where I feel there's an advantage. I mean, we know what Kirk Cousins is. If he's back with Justin Jefferson, I mean, his win rate every year is good. Oh, yeah. Right now, he is going at quarterback 16, which is a little higher, right around a little higher than when it where he normally goes, but yep. right in that range. And he's finished quarterback 11 and quarterback nine in fantasy points the past two seasons. Yeah. Uh, and I've always owned a lot because he's always undervalued. Yep. And he's a great 
uh, guy. Like I always seem to have him with Russell Wilson, who <laughs> historically has been a spike week quarterback. He wasn't this mm-hmm. year, you know, and that way on the, on Wilson's bad weeks, you have cousins. But when you look, you know, again, and, and the tier, sh- you can actually see the tier drop. He's 10 picks lower than Fields and Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady obviously is going to really start dropping. Uh, but the guy that I'm most down on is Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason is he's going as pick eight or pick nine in the FFPC. He's been going right now, right at the turn. And I, I, I get why you would think, well, he's some big discount over where he was, but yep. there were two things. One, he's run behind that Kubiak Shanahan. What was his? Yeah. That Kubiak run scheme, which is kind of the nuts running scheme. Yep. And they've also fed him as a true alpha. Yep. So, you know, when I'm kind of doing my weighted scales, those are two things that could definitely change in a negative way. Yep. And I just don't see him crushing me if I don't take a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, you, can, you can't get crushed that much by a guy going eight overall. I mean, you know, what's the best he can do? Beat that ADP by six or seven spots. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of with you. He just feels – it feels like, you know, there's more risk – than potential payoff at, at that price tag. And, you know, he, he could finish RB2 or RB3 again, and maybe he has one more big year left in him. But, you know, you mentioned the coaching change is a potential concern, all the carries he's racked up. He's obviously had injury issues. Um, he's missed eight games over the past three seasons. He also has those legal issues that, you know, are still unsettled. Um, I, I don't know where that's going to go. I'm not an expert in that department, but there's still at least a chance he's suspended for, you know, part of this coming season. So I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like I'd, I'd rather jump off a year too early on cook than take him this year. And he, you know, misses time with suspension injury or whatever it is. Yeah. And Alexander Madison therefore becomes more interesting to me back to the point that I made with one of our other uh, shows that I did with you and Matt, I, I don't remember mm-hmm. with which one of you, that if I'm down on Dalvin, that I should be more interested in his backup. So yep. that if I'm right, I'm gaining the, you know, because they really never played Madison much with Cook healthy. That could change. Yeah. And he's, he's good, right? Like he's not bad. And, I mean, he's, and he like, can, I mean, he's he's like he's like 80% of Dalvin. Like he like he's a he's a good back. Yeah. And he caught, he caught almost as many passes as Dalvin this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, you know, he definitely started more games, but you see, they really still didn't increase his workload um, other than the pass game. So with Clint Kubiak, instead of his dad, they used Madison way more in the passing game. Yeah. And- I, I, I remember like every, every time Dalvin was out this past season, we would have we would have Madison ranked as like a top three running back on the week just because they 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 you they used him in a better role than Delvin Cook, you know when when Cook was out because you know when you had Cook in there you had Madison mixing in for a few touches but when Cook was out this past season Madison got a hundred percent of the running back touches so he, he's he is he's he's the best handcuff in fantasy football and then you know maybe I think as you're alluding well, to he you, maybe has he has been. some standalone value him and Pollard he, have been but again. I just got to keep bringing it back to with a new coaching staff. 
We don't know. Uh, but uh, at his current ADP, if I was drafting a lot now, I would definitely be very interested in him because there's yeah. a very good chance he becomes more of a 1B than a 2. What is his ADP right now? Um, Probably in the 40s at running back? No, 30, 38, yeah. Close, yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's he's, he's fine there. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the guys going behind him. I wouldn't rather have any of those over Madison. So, <laughs> or even the only, and, and like James Robinson. Robinson, isn't he coming off yeah. an Achilles? Yeah, which I thought was a death knell, but you know, look what Akers is doing. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And uh, although Akers, that's another thing. We'll go over that <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. he, his ADP right now is a ridiculous. Ah, it's, it's running back 12 here. Um, I, I, I've seen him go right at 112, 111 in FFPC. I think people are starting to get a little too high on Mr. Akers again. So Justin Jefferson is now considered a true alpha, the number three running uh, wide receiver off the board, as long uh, ahead of Devontae Adams uh, and Tyreek Hill. I do think there's a little bit of risk there, but I don't mind him. I, I like him more than I like Jamar Chase. Yeah, me too. I might like Adams and Hill over Jefferson and Chase, but I mean, you know, we'll, we can get into those guys. But I mean, the, the only risk with Jefferson is if Kirk Cousins leaves and then, you know, what is it at quarterback? But if, if Cousins is back, I think you can make a case for Jefferson at, at wide receiver too, even. All right. Last but not least, well, last and definitely least <laughs> is the fun Dan Campbell-led Lions. And I want to look at Jared Goff's. We don't know who's going to be the offensive coordinator here yet either. They let Anthony Lynn go and they have not hired a replacement yet. So um... I think that Dan Campbell did a really good job calling plays. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think Detroit. Shockingly. Yeah. And I think that if the, I'm sure they're going to hire somebody, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it's going to be impactful um, i think dan campbell is going to probably yep. call plays um yep, I can and see if that. and if he doesn't if things go south i think he'll be back doing it and and again he did a very good job with it so um jared goff he ain't going nowhere with a 30 million dollar dead cap hit i wouldn't be shocked to see them draft to try and get a quarterback for the future Yep. But I, I think uh, Goff's going to be there. You know, we all know what Jared Goff is. Yeah, I mean, he was I he was fine, I think. You know, I'm not going to say he was excellent this season, but he you know, he, he was fine. Um, 67% you know, completion percentage. Yeah. And nothing, I mean, to, nothing to sneeze at. He's, um, you know, he's throwing to, you know, he's throwing to uh, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond. You know, he didn't have a lot to work with, especially when uh, Swift and Hawkinson were out. I'm on St. Brown as the first guy I want to talk about. Yeah. Oh, we didn't finish Minnesota. We I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Adam Thielen. Hmm. I don't have much interest in him at wide receiver 31. I mean I, that that, I, that that's that, that's now? pretty cheap. That's pretty cheap though. I mean that's you know it's cheaper than he has been going. It's cheaper than it's way below where he's finished the past couple of years. And you know he a lot of his fantasy production has been tied to the touchdowns. You know, he's, he's overachieved there. If you look at, you know, league averages, league average touchdown rates, but I don't know. I mean, Kirk Cousins obviously likes him and trusts him in the red zone. So I do think he's a you know good touchdown, but again, this coming season, now I, I I'm okay with him at wide receiver 31, actually. I mean, which I didn't, I didn't think I'd be okay with Thielen, but he's going that low. 
I'll, I'll have some. I, I, I don't. I feel like he's really slowing down. And he's 32 years old and he's coming off yep. injuries. Yeah, but I, to me, that's baked into the ADP at wide oh. receiver 31. He's finished 11th and 16th in PPR points per game over the past two seasons. So, you, you know, you're, you're baking in a, a, a drop off. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to consider that a little bit more. Um, and I might even have to watch some tape because. Yeah, and he, he's not a guy I'd go all in on, but um, you know, I'll, I'll, I would definitely want. You're not going to, you're not going to avoid price. him. That, that's a, that's right. a fair point. That's yep. why we're doing this, right? Exactly. All right. So, uh, tight end Irv Smith. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with his Eve, uh, ADP. We, we looked at that before. Tight yep. end 19. I think there's some yep. nice upside still there. But I wouldn't shock be shocked if he 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 doesn't hit it too. Yeah, we'll see what they do with offensive coordinator, like we've talked about. Um, you know, it's been a run heavy offense, you know, under Mike Zimmer basically since he's been there. Um, if they lean more towards the pass under the new coaching staff, that would obviously help Irv Smith. Um, yeah, I mean, he he was a guy I thought was trending up. You know, second round pick was super young when he came into the league. He you know he's still only twenty three years old. He'll he'll turn twenty four in August. Um. Had the, had the meniscus injury on September first, but you know he 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 should be fine. For and that's and that's we'll not see. a serious injury. Well, I mean he was out he was out you know, all season with it. No, um, but, but what it, I mean the, is it's not like we're coming back from an ACL. Achille, right? Yeah, or an Achilles. Yeah, I, I agree. I I don't think the injury. I don't think that injury will be an issue uh, in 2022. Yeah, I I like him at this ADP a good bit. Me too. Um. All right, we're at tight end, so let's look at Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. Hawkinson is uh, tight end six, but he's going a full 20 picks past Darren Waller in the draft that we did. Um, my memory is he went the end of the third. Uh, yeah, end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Tight end six there, too. Uh, I mean, that's like an, he's like a neutral to me. Me, too. They I just, I, I just didn't don't throw know. to him after the first couple of weeks like you, you would think they would. Yeah. And I just I know I don't know he if he has injured. the ce- I don't know if he has the ceiling. That's that's where I'm starting to to kind of land with Hawkinson. Is he's a good player, um, but even just watching him, like he never looks explosive to me out there. Um, so I just don't know if he has the ceiling of a Waller or an Andrews or a Pitts. You know, so I but I, but I think he's safe. Like he's a good player. He's been a top eight tight end in two straight seasons now. He's gonna still get good volume on that team because, you know, they're not going to be loaded at wide receiver. You know, the, the volume's going to be there. So I think he's fine. I'm with you. Um, I'll, I'll want some of him, but I'm definitely not going to be overweight. And I will be all over Darren Waller um, if McDaniels goes there. Oh, McDaniels is there. That's, 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 yeah. signing, that hiring is official. Yep. Oh, is it official? Yep. Yeah, that's it is. Good. Yeah. I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if that, I, people are really down on Waller. They feel like he just, you know, after that week one, they just didn't throw to him enough, which is true. And that they, you know, they moved coverage towards him that took him out. One thing about McDaniel, he's, he was lousy at people skills. He was lousy at picking players, mm-hmm. but he knows how to scheme guys open. Yes. So I am really interested in Darren Waller in the third round. Yeah, and, you know, his um, Waller's volume and, and, you know, yards per game was down. But the, the, the big thing, he went from nine touchdowns to two touchdowns. Like, you know, that, that, those touchdowns can easily rebound. And then, you know, you're talking about a top three tight end again. Uh, DeAndre Swift was one of my most highly owned players. He was basically everything I thought he would be. Yep. And 
now we're starting to see him go in this <laughs> in the end of the second here and let's see where he's going here it's a half ppr so it's not yeah you already you scroll past him he's I, like rb10 there is he yeah that see that's too early that's that's too early in in in, in half ppr that's too early yeah and even full ppr that's you know yeah, i mean he, yes yeah, yeah i think rb10 is about right probably in full ppr yeah it, yeah i, um, I yeah cuz you can't you can't say that Javante Williams or Nick Chubb or well Chubb in, in half PPR. Um, the guy that we talked about that I do like at, at running back thirteen. I give me Gibson over Swift. Yeah, Gibson. Right. Gibson is going to get it just projects for so many more carries than Swift. Um, and I mean the receiving stuff is awesome with Swift. I mean he averaged six point seven targets in his first ten games before he he first got hurt. Um, you know that's that's. That's just awesome target value at running back. You remember the movie from the eighties, Less Than Zero? <laughs> no, I was born in eighty-eight, so ah, I haven't well, seen it. <laughs> um, there's, it's Robert Downey Jr. plays a cokehead, crackhead. It was kind of a you know one of those young twenties kind of movies. Anyway, that's how much I'll have of Amon St. Brown at wide receiver twenty-two. <laughs> oh my god, wide receiver twenty-two. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. That's that's a classic yeah. uh, over bias. So um, yeah. that let's see if there's any questions over here. Uh, no questions. Um, anything else that you have for us before we get out of here? No, I'm just still trying to wrap my head around. I'm on Ross I'm St. on St. Brown, Brown at 22. 22. <laughs> yeah, I don't do too much, too many full fades, yeah. but I will full fade. I'm on St. Brown at Wide receiver twenty two, and I yeah, and I, I guarantee you, as time goes on, he, I will get him in the forties. Yes, I was going to say that ADP is going to drop. You know, as as his big finish gets further in the rearview mirror, Detroit is going to add at wide receiver. They're probably going to add multiple guys at wide receiver. Um, so yeah, I, I I do think he settles in like the the mid thirties, maybe. Tomorrow night, eight p.m. Matt Shelf and I will be doing the AFC North. I want to thank you. Those who came and posted some comments and studied with us. Um, and hopefully we will build this core audience as we go. Um, and then, uh, Jared, you and I will hit the NFC South maybe later in the week. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you very much. And we will study with you soon. I'll be there when you get it right. That's the beauty of living life.